0: I wouldn't even know how to do that. What do you do? Just like walk up to random people and go, hey, blah, 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 sports. Welcome to Dynasty Sports Empire, the podcast, part of the Empire.com podcast network dare I say, the flagship podcast of the Dynasty Sports Empire Podcast Network. We bring you the latest in sports and fantasy sports with, shall we say, a lighter approach to what most people consider a very serious undertaking. On the show today, episode 96, recorded August 6th, August, 6th, August 1st, 2023. We are back. It's been a while. I can't read. So we catch up on what happened. It took a while, and I'm actually quite glad we weren't podcasting during this extremely drawn-out period. But Aaron Rodgers got traded to the Jets, and somehow he has come up with a rivalry with Sean Payton now. We'll talk about that. Uh, The D.C. area nightmare is over. Finally, as Daniel Snyder officially sells the Commanders, something he said he would never do, and he turned a nice $5 billion profit on it. Running backs in the NFL suddenly looked around and were wondering why they weren't getting paid and tried to do something about it. MLB trade deadline passed and two surprising teams were amongst the sellers, the Mets and the Cardinals. Speaking of something someone said that they would never do, Live Golf and the Saudis come to an agreement with the PGA on a new tour. I don't know if we'll have enough time for all of that, (laughs) but I'm going to try to get it going. All right. Let's get right into it. As always, I'm your host, Jeff Roman, and alongside me tonight, and every night, is a guy who has a much better score than me in Immaculate Grid, Tim Reinhart. Welcome, Tim.
1: Oh, man. I don't know if if that's really true, if I have a better score than you or not. You and I, I think, struggle in the same area. We struggle in the two-team intersections. Yes, absolutely. Like, today, I got all three stat ones, no problem um but yeah that i just i don't know what it is and meanwhile i have friends who like or like my brother gets them in like five minutes um
0: have you ever gotten a nine have you got nine i've
1: gotten it one time yeah all
0: right Um, that's that's one more than me
1: do you know anybody that like they're so good at it they go for the rarity score like they don't even I, i i'm just happy if i get like yeah eight boxes like they're like they're trying to figure out who the most rare person is uh to boost their rarity score or make it lower, I guess.
0: I've I've seen some people post about it, including the guy who owns baseball reference. So he's he's a little bit uh, cheating, not cheating, but he just actually knows those players and he goes for the low rarity score. But, you know, I'd be happy to get any nine. Uh, I think it's some, I'll, I'll look at it and I'll be like, okay, it'll be say Seattle Mariners and, Cincinnati Reds. And I go, yeah. okay, think of a player that plays for Seattle. And it's like, my mind goes completely blank. I can't think of a single Seattle Mariner. I'm like, yeah,
1: yeah. So I, who's I their know.
0: shortstop? I don't know. Off the top
1: of my head, no. yeah. I don't um, know. No by idea. the way, that would be, you You could easily throw Ken Griffey Jr. in that one. Oh, wow. That, yeah. That box. Good one. Uh, yeah. That, Good one. That's probably the best. But, well, but like, I've, I've learned that, like, I don't know about, you know, or I think certain pitchers had way more than 3000 strikeouts. Yeah. I think they had 3000 strikeouts and they didn't. Yeah. Um, that's been a, a bit of an education or, you know, certain guys win rookie of the year or Cy Young. Right. Um, yeah. So hall of fame. I have trouble with that one sometimes. The hall of fame one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's, it's a fun game. Um, I wonder, I don't know how long it'll, uh, long, like it'll be in vogue, uh, but it is cool that they now do, are doing football and hockey. Yep. And I mean, yep. I don't really play the hockey or basketball ones, but I mean, I'll
0: mean i click over football. and then I'll click over and get one or two squares in basketball or hockey. Yeah, uh, You know, if it's, if it's somebody that I, you know, I know exactly what I'm looking for, but um, mostly focus on football and football is the same way. It's like, think of somebody who played for, I don't know, you know, the chargers who, who made the, you know, AP first team, all pro. And you're like, uh, I, right. I don't, I don't know. You know, I got no, I can't think of a single player other than like Justin, you know, Justin Herbert, you know, and then uh, that's not going to get me.
1: You know, fine. I think like what I, I don't, I should play the football one a little more. Like our background with, um, Tecmo Super Bowl or super technical, mm. excuse me, should probably yeah. pay dividends there just because like, we we play that game so much that we know random players yes. from like a team that we never would have followed when right. we were you know younger but because we played that game um right. which i think Ooh. is what how like a lot of people now like know right who's on what team is you know through NFL show or madden yeah. or whatever
0: yeah who's the guy who is the the nose tackle for green bay oh, that was man. the cheat code yeah. I don't know. Oh, um, man. I thought you would know that one off the top of your head. No. Uh, um, all right. Well, if you didn't yeah. know it, you don't have to look it up. But he, he was unbeatable there at the nose tackle.
1: Yeah. He, he did that slide dive move um, yeah. better than anyone. Um,
0: all right. Man, While you yeah. look it up, speaking Nelson, of the Packers. Nelson
1: was his last. Bob Nelson
0: bob nelson there it is yeah. right. um while we're talking about the packers packers yeah. quarterback eric we'll talk about uh your jets i know we yeah. definitely want to get into this first um so uh after a, it was pretty long and drawn out and as i said in the intro i'm like quite glad we actually weren't doing a podcast yeah, during we to this talk about it every week we'd have to yeah. talk about it every week and be like well what do you think about this thing he said and d- I, he said i intend to go to the jets and then there was like you know, everybody was playing hardball with each other and it was just, it was a very long process, but it eventually happened. Aaron Rodgers yep. got traded to the jets. Uh, let's get your top line feeling on, on the acquisition of Aaron Rodgers for the jets.
1: Um, it, 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 it's funny, you know, at the, at the time I remember thinking like, Oh, that, that that's a lot. Um, Cause I think they swapped 13 and 15 and that ended up being like, a big deal, um, yeah, a pretty big deal. Um, and then, is it a second round pick that become that, that could become a first, or it's it's yeah. something that I remember at the time being like it's super high, and now I don't remember. So maybe maybe it's not all that yeah. high. Um, I think what's been cool is the um, at least from a Jet fan perspective has been how. All the like the stereotype of what Aaron Rodgers, you know, the or not stereotype, like the reputation that he got. He's like pulled a complete one eighty, and he's doing all these <clears throat> things that seem like they should be a lot more commonplace, um, but maybe they're not. Like how when the offense, when when like the first team offense is done, he goes and talks to um, the the Jets secondary. And they like say, you know, Oh, here's what I saw on that play. Here's how I knew you were going to do that. Like things that right. seem like they should be commonplace. But I think like in our, in our conversation with the NFL, we've come to realize that maybe like that kind of communication doesn't actually exist on, on a lot of teams, but he seems to be doing all the right things took the $35 million pay cut. My goodness. It um, seems to be mentoring Zach Wilson, every chance he can get like, I mean, he's done all the right things, um, or just been like a model player for the team um, since he got there. Just hope he can stay healthy, and um, you know that it's it just like it's a whole different vibe, I guess.
0: My opinion. yeah, yeah, and I think you know it's interesting to see that you know not not immediately getting the Green Bay. Aaron Rodgers, who was kind of like petulant and not, not like not clicked in with the team, kind of in a fight with the front office, so he was taking you know had a had a vendetta against Jordan Love because he was drafted as his replacement, and he didn't feel like he was ready for the replacement, and so you know as you said, all these narratives were built up around him that was like oh well he's gonna just throw. You know, Zach Wilson under the bus because he's a young player. But, you know, the only evidence we had on that was Jordan Love, who it seemed like it wasn't, he didn't like him, not because he was a young player, but he felt like he was the uh, avatar for the front office trying to get rid of him. Yeah. Um, And so that's why he was kind of like not mentoring him. And also Brett Favre didn't mentor him as well. Right. So I, think I think there's a
1: lot of yeah, yeah uh, parallels to that situation for sure.
0: Yeah. So I think, you know, the Jets overall, I, I think it makes them a better team. I think they would, you know, they're probably happy at this point with what they gave up. Um the the side kind of more current events on this is that uh obviously Nathaniel Hackett, who was in Denver as our head coach is now the offensive coordinator in the Jets. Worked previously in Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers. Right. Um, so he comes to the Jets and Sean Payton, I, I think it was this week or earlier last week, uh, basically un, un, unprompted, uh, did the whole coach thing where the new coach thing where uh, he's like trying to maybe pump up his players by saying, it's absolutely 100% that guy's fault. Yeah. Not your guy's fault that you were so bad. This guy that left did such a bad job that, like, just by the the process of elimination, will be better. Um, yeah, and and kind of took it out on uh, Nathaniel Hackett a little bit. And to be perfectly honest, like we all saw that he did a bad job last year. Like it felt a little bit like a pylon because everybody that watched was kind of like, well, he's doing a bad job. I don't think that's, that's not cutting any, uh, any new material there. So, um, Aaron Rodgers obviously came out and defended his offensive corner. Robert Sala was basically like, I'm not going to acknowledge this. Is this, is this a, uh, tempest in a teapot, a training camp, nothing burger. What, what do you make of this?
1: Yeah. Um, we'll see how hard knocks covers it. Um,
0: yeah, they're on hard knocks. That's another big thing.
1: I guess um, you like. I, I don't know that like NFL players need like extra motivation, um, but in the event that they do, like there it is, and uh, the two teams do play one another. Oh, Can wow, we five maybe. Okay, that was what um, I was going to check next. Wow. Yeah, okay. so it it just seems yeah, it seems like a very weird uh, weird thing for Sean Payton to do and say. Um, there, there were, I mean, there are ways to do that without being so specific. Like he, he directly called out not just Nathaniel Hackett, but like the Jets for then like, well, they're, they've won the off season, but that's, you know, or, um, I guess like criticizing, right. Um, them for chasing headlines essentially. Um, I don't know. I think, I, I think it's probably in the end, like a, a big nothing burger, but fun for us to, Fun for us to talk about and if for whatever reason it does make the jets score 52 points against <laughs> you know the denver broncos uh right. then then awesome
0: yeah i think i think you're right i think that's just kind of like a uh bulletin board material for the training camp that'll probably be long forgotten yeah well maybe by most people i'm sure some people will um have a cause you know that that'll kind of maybe go both ways uh as motivation in the week five matchup
1: I think like you do like to see one of the things I guess maybe it does do is, um, I I don't know, if Aaron Rodgers, um, if he had this like, uh, like persona or narrative that he sort of is aloof to, uh, to these things, like, and then at times, like this, like very fiery, competitive guy comes out, like uh, when he, when he shouted at the bears fans uh <laughs> right. saying how he owned them his whole yeah. career like and then here he like he he could have been a bit more diplomatic instead he was combative is like keep my coach's names out of your mouth um right you know so i think it is cool to see the like the fiery side of aaron Rodgers, which i think is another thing another counter to sure. whatever the narrative uh, has generally been about him in his career <clears throat>
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that, that it'll be very interesting to see how that plays out because I think both the Packers and the Jets kind of got what they wanted, right? Like Aaron Rodgers and LaFleur didn't seem like they were seeing eye-to-eye offensively. Aaron yeah. Rodgers had a certain way he wanted to do it. LaFleur had a certain way he wanted to do it. They kind of did somewhere in between uh, depending on you know what was happening. And now Aaron Rodgers gets his offense with the Jets, and Lafleur gets his offense with Jordan Love. Yeah. So it seemed like both both kind of uh, benefited, um, I think, certainly in the short term from that. And so uh, the Jets on Hard Knocks will be a very interesting watch, I think, the whole year, and certainly on Hard Knocks. So be- yeah, it should be
1: should be fun, uh, especially um, with all the you know, all that drama and all the changes and turnover in the rot. like it, it'll be a lot. It seems like there's probably a lot of good, a lot of good personalities on that team to, to follow as well.
0: Right. And what do you make of like them not really wanting to do hard knocks and kind of being forced into it, like, and cutting the access a little bit? Um,
1: yeah. I mean, I, I don't mind the whole, like, I guess the, the big thing with the cutting the access was like, they're not going to show guys getting cut. Sure. Which,, um, yeah, like I'm, I'm okay with that. like that, yeah. that always seemed a little odd and maybe should not have been like a, a thing that we got to see. like that does seem like someone's losing their job. It seems like a very private, yeah, a um, uh, very private thing to to happen. I think um, <clears throat> you know, it'll the, the fact that they didn't want it and then got sort of boxed into it, I don't know if that's going to have any, if like it's going to appear in the show at all. Like the, um, what, what do you call it? The advanced like clips that I've seen, it doesn't, doesn't look like it. Um, so, you know, I expect it to be pretty standard hard knocks, uh, stuff. And, you know, I usually end up rooting for the team that is on hard knocks minimally anyway. And,
0: right and, yeah it'll they'll continue to happen they'll have a few guys that are on the on the yeah. bubble there and i i think to your to your point about the guys being cut like we don't need to see that i think the best things that we clips that we were sharing before baseball season this year was the clips of the guys making the team right yeah Pope, walker I, there's a few others that <clears throat> julio rodriguez i think uh May, who or maybe that's last year? Who, yep. who they made the team right from the beginning? That those were the good ones to watch that you wanted to watch. Where, whereas the the guys getting cut, I mean, yeah, you you don't need to see that. You really don't because it's just like, yeah. yeah and it's
1: like much. we've seen it for however yeah. many seasons they've done this. It's like, you know, uh, we're we're going in a different direction. Maybe like check out these guys, like good luck to you, like, you know, and yeah. then they, then they yeah. walk out with their backpack, like hand in your iPad and playbook, like, you know? Yeah. So I don't think that's, we no. show some, show some other stuff that, that will be more interesting, you know, yes. than, than that piece.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. All right. So we've got a, I think a week until that, that's like uh next August week or the 8th, weekend. August a week, the So a yeah, week so. from today. From today, we got that coming out, so um, that should be interesting. They are playing in the Hall of Fame game right tomorrow. tomorrow.
1: Nope, wow. That's not true. Thursday, Thursday, Thursday. okay. Sorry.
0: Thursday, no, it's okay. Might be tomorrow if you're listening to this, yeah, uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, um, so, that is very soon. I'm actually quite surprised. So, that football is back preseason um, Hall of Fame game on Thursday, the third, yes, something like that. All right. So other other NFL stories, we'll, we can go through here. Uh, sure. Running back or commanders? Yeah. What do you? Let's go running backs. What do you?
1: Yeah. What do you make of um, of this whole whole thing? It's very interesting.
0: Yeah, I think there's a, there's a lot of layers to it, and that's why I kind of put it on there. It's super interesting to me. I think um, so. To level set a little bit, there's a bunch of running backs who. Feel unhappy with their contract situation, not getting paid as much as even tight ends at this point anymore. Um, they are, you know, not getting a couple of guys like Josh Jacobs, Saquon Barkley, Jonathan Taylor, not getting signed to long, you know, term extensions. Um, you know, c- kind of just letting their contracts yep. expire. Teams are not interested in engaging with them. They had a Zoom to talk about it, which I think was actually. Kind of funny um, because yeah. that's like what what normal people do. I yeah. feel like running backs would have like a you know I don't know something a little bit more high tech than Zoom, but you know hey they're they're uh, working working guys too. So uh, they and no resolution really about it. Um, Saquon Barkley got a little bit more incentives and signed his his tender contract. Jonathan Taylor is in a some sort of some bizarre yeah, yeah bizarre fight with the. Uh, Indianapolis who wants to be traded, traded to whom? Who knows? Um, so it, it kind of seems like nothing has really changed. I think the there's a couple pieces to start with. One, um, I think the way the NFL has been going, the pass, people have realized, everybody has now realized, that the pass is more efficient and more mm, powerful um, than the running game. Um, right, they've also realized that running backs are uh, not all the time, but a lot of the time a symptom, not symptom, but a function of their environment. If you have good blocking, there's a there's a running back available on the free agent wire who can yeah. hit the hole. And three, I think the important thing about that is that the the um, we talk about value over replacement. The replacement level for running backs is super high. There's a lot of good running backs around that can do the job of a running back. I think that's a function of a lot of the best players when they are in high school and college play running back. Like if you're the best player in your high school team, you either play quarterback or running back, right? Yeah. So um, there's a lot of guys that continue to want to play running back. and. It's a um, so I'll stop there and we can talk about the conflicts uh, about that.
1: Yeah. So I guess my sort of like, I don't see a way this gets this gets any better. Like, so, they at least for running backs, um, you know, it, it it is true that so the standard rookie contract is four years. Um, five if you're a first rounder, or the fifth year option if you're a first rounder, and then they have the ability to franchise tag. I mean, two, right. twice. I least. think at least two, yeah. So, you know, the, the shelf life of a of an NFL running back is is not much longer than the five six years that <laughs> the player is under ultimately under team control and um, there's no real remedy to get it, get it fixed because at the end of the day, like it would take a change to the collective bargaining agreement. And the, the very true reality of it is like Saquon Barkley is the exception to the rule. Most NFL running backs. I would imagine the average career is under three years. I would, I would bet easily. Um, So you're not going to get the rank and file. Um, running back who's worried about, like, I just want to, you know, survive as long as I can in this game, make as much money as I can in this game until I got to go do whatever else I'm going to do. And the top of the priority is not to get the, like for the union is not to, is to look out for those guys and not to look out for the, you know, one or two star names that you end up um, hearing about because They're the stars and they get into the high profile contract disputes. Um, It's just not the the way that the thing where it's just not built for them to have very much leverage.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, it would take I mean, I think number one running backs are at the peak of their abilities the day that they're drafted. They're only going downhill, generally speaking, from that. And do teams uh, abuse them for five years, knowing that like that? Yes, of course they do. Yeah, and absolutely. are
1: they losing two, if not three, of their prime years in the free farm system that they've created? Uh I, I still don't know how that has not been struck down um, constitutionally. The three-year ban—that that's bananas to me. Um, right. Yeah. Like, of course, th- these are all true things. Uh, absent changes to them, like I don't see how it gets better.
0: Yeah, and and running backs at this point might make more money in college with NIL deals, right? Yeah, uh, I'm sure they will. They're higher profile, more money. Um, so you could see more guys just stay in college. Um, but I think you know, guys that are freshmen, sophomores in college are probably nearing their peak of their running backness as. You know, more and more hits they just get worn down and exactly. worn down after that. Um, as you said, people like Saquon Barkley are the exception to the rule. And I think the other the conflict in that is like what I talked about at the beginning is like teams and I think fans also realize that passing is more efficient and better and, and makes higher scoring games and makes your offense better. But also fans also play fantasy football and yeah. running back, you gotta start two running backs at least every week. So these guys are picked early in fantasy football drafts. They are coveted. They are researched down to the third stringer, like to try to to figure out who it is. So running backs are kind of in this dichotomy where they're like, a lot of people understand and front offices understand that they're not a big part of what makes an offense tick, but also fantasy football, which is gigantic you know, even not including DFS and you know uh, prop betting and all of this stuff, yep. like that is a huge market that people pay attention to running backs for. Right, the running back, a running back, probably is is the number one pick in all fantasy football drafts for for a year. And look at you know if you're doing a rookie draft, Bijan Robinson is one one right off the bat. So, and he's a running back. But in five years, is he going to get a second contract? Maybe he could be an outlier. Maybe not. He could just get worn down through 300 carries a year and then that's it. And they'll move on and pick another guy in the second round or pick a guy off the street. And maybe, you know, he's not necessarily going to change their win losses that much. And um, one of the interesting things that I read about this is that, like, some people say, "Well, well, you know, Saquon Barkley or whoever catches passes too." But they did a, uh, a research on the efficiency, and you know, running backs coming out and catching are less efficient than wide receivers in the slot or wide receivers coming out of the backfield. So, like they they still weren't doing the job as well as a uh, wide receiver, yeah. right? You could say, "Oh, they're valuable because of this," and they're a mismatch, but. Generally speaking, right, obviously there's outliers. Um, the player is is less efficient than uh, a specialist at catching in a wide receiver. So, yeah. you know, I, I think all, that all to be said, it's like you're kind of, you're boxed in. There's nothing that can be done. I saw, I read, I heard something interesting on the um, uh, Dominique Foxworth podcast where he he's formerly was in the union. Um, and so he mentioned that there is this performance bonus pool that there's several million dollars that players that outperform their salary, get a bonus. Like he was a third round pick and he played all the season. So he got, I don't know, a million dollars or whatever, like all split up. And so he, you know, this is already, this pool of money is already there. They could use that for running backs as well. So if you're a, if you're Isaiah Pacheco and you're picked in the seventh round, but you uh, played all all season. He didn't play all season, but he had a good season towards the end of the year. Outplayed his his salary. Basically, they could have this bonus system in for guys like Pacheco, who is not going to get to a second contract. He has four years of a seventh round pick or whatever. however many years he has? It's not gonna. He's not going to get you know a ten million dollar payday at the end of that. Right? He's before, not. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: You know. Right, that that won't happen for running back. That can happen to a wide receiver, quarterback, uh, offensive lineman, tight end, offensive like, lineman, defensive end. It's not yeah. going to happen because there's another seventh rounder uh, that it, you know that can be drafted and uh, make the same kind of noise that Pacheco made.
0: Right, yeah, and I think we've seen that also with off ball like middle off ball linebackers. Like there's a bunch of free agency of those guys. They just switch them all around because you know they feel like there's a, there's a lot of them. They're interchangeable and they can get them at a, at a lower price, just doing, going in a different thing. So it's a, it's a little bit of a market problem, um, but matched with like the the high profile nature of the run position. Um, That's an interesting take to it is that, you know,
1: if, if this were offensive guards, we're probably not having the same conversation. It's that every Fantasy football player knows every running back that uh, that this becomes a thing,
0: right? Yeah, not you know. And if you play a lot of fantasy football, you don't just know all the top running backs. You know all of the second string running backs, and you know you know you know the bad running backs, and you yeah. know the rookie running. You know, like so, you know all of the the names of the players that go pretty deep. Even though I couldn't name maybe one offensive guard, you know in in the NFL, uh, yeah, Zach Martin does he still play offensive guard uh, no? for the Cowboys? Yeah, I don't know if he's a tackle or a guard. But anyway, he has his own problems with his contract. Maybe that's why I was thinking of him. Yeah. Um. All right. Anything else on running backs? So and we'll... yeah,
1: it, it, I don't know. It's it's like they just have them over over a barrel, I guess, because they're the only option they really have is to sit out. And I think Le'Veon Bell situation showed like that's not that's not going to work necessarily either. Like he was the cautionary tale um, for teams to not give that guy an opportunity. Um, So I don't know. Um, It'll be interesting to see if they can attain any kind of leverage in some kind of a way that we haven't thought of.
0: Yeah. I I think I don't know what the solution is and it's probably not an immediately easy fix. And I think generally speaking, that's just a position, uh, that is now formally high profile and high paid and now becoming more of a, of a grind. And I think the the players that see that are kind of like, well, what happened? And it's kind of like, well, the market changed and the game changed and, you know, it kind of just, it just happened. And I don't know. And you know, when NFL is like, Oh, sure. We'll give you players more money. will be the first time ever. So that's certainly not right. <laughs> going to happen. They're not going to give back and say, you know what? Add another million to the cap for just for running backs. Yeah, you know? right. Like a special, I saw something like that
1: on the ESPN, like running backs need their own collective bargaining agreement. It's like, maybe like, but still you're, you're forgetting that like you use Isaiah P- uh, Pacheco, just because we mentioned him, he's, Probably not gonna play much more than three years. So like, why is he gonna care what Saquon
0: Barkley right gets? Or right, wants to you know. So. Right, the, the running backs in general have the same problem that the union and you know the the baseball union has a similar problem, which is like. Uh, they have quarterbacks and star wide receivers and star running backs. And they also have the run of the mill guys, right? Like how do you balance? And those guys make up the majority of, of the association, right? So the union has to not just think of Saquon Barkley, but also think of Pacheco and people less high profile than Pacheco. Right. Right. They all pay the
1: same union dues. And they all like, you know, I I think they all have a fundamental understanding that their careers uh, could be over tomorrow.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. So there's, yeah. You know, if you get hurt, certainly, um, there's, there's a lot going on there. I don't think there's an easy solution, but it'll be kind of interesting to see how it plays out. Um, with, especially with Jonathan Taylor, who seems like he is upset yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and I don't not, know, He's not a happy guy. I don't know what he, his options are and he'll probably end up, you know, coming back and playing after some, you know, conciliatory gesture. Uh, but I don't, I don't yeah, know because at the end of the day like
1: he he's leaving more money on the table than than right. he would otherwise.
0: Right. So. Yeah, he kind of has to play. Um all right, so speaking of playing the DC Area team, right? Commanders yes. football team uh is officially has a new owner, Josh Harris, who seems to own multiple you know, uh, mid-Atlantic teams and the Sixers and the Devils and the uh, now now the Commanders. Um, I don't I don't know if I had a, a lot of of takes on this. I, I did find it. I think I sent that article to you where it's very interesting that the leaks that were intended for, to get John Gruden out, which worked yeah. in getting John Gruden out last year, a uh, year before last, uh, eventually came back around to give too much kind of heat on Daniel Snyder and forced him to sell. Um, it seemed like uh, interesting because it may have been Daniel Snyder himself who leaked those who leaked the stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And then it came back around to haunt him, but I think it's a good thing for football that he's not in there. It's a good thing. Uh, certainly for the, for Washington fans. I, I don't know. I don't have a lot of takes on it other than this is a fascinating story, but good for, good in the end that he is, has sell, sell the team.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, I, you followed this, this story a lot more, so I'll ask you what, what is the larger, what impact does this have on go first the football team and then,
0: um, the NFL as a whole? Well, I think uh, number one, the football team is that there people are going to show up. I think it it gives a bounce around the, the team that there wasn't before. Um, yeah. even that they are not changing anything with the on the field product at all. I think the changing the, the buzz around the team, you know, making more fans come to the game. So home games will be more like home games. I think all of that can kind of just, just change enough to kind of just change the, the kind of vibe is, is a, you know, um, a, a, not a, a overused word, but I think it, it does change the vibe here. And yeah, The NFL in general, I think, you know, (laughs) the the most interesting thing about uh, the Daniel Snyder story was the nugget that he went to the owner's meeting with a PowerPoint of blackmail that had been recovered from their email servers. Um, And so he had dirt on a lot of different people in the NFL that he was threatening to use. And they said, you know what? I think he should have to sell now. <laughs> so <laughs> so it, uh, I think the the, the larger NFL uh, story here is that the owners, it, it, the cartel of the owners in yeah. general will tolerate a lot of things. Uh, not getting a stadium and blackmail are very high up on the list. I'm not sure which one is higher than the other, um, but you know he screwed up the stadium deal because you know so hated around the D.C. area, um, and also tried to blackmail all different NFL owners. So um, I don't know. I, I think that it's a, it's a hard story to sell from uh, you know a larger NFL thing, but I think the the story is that the cabal of NFL owners are undefeated when they, when they work together to do something.
1: Do you think that we have heard the last, uh, like, is he just going to ride off into the sunset or is he going to show up at the, uh, you know, at the saloon, at <laughs> high noon guns blazing someday
0: uh, with whatever he's got. That's a great question. Um, I would love to see him kind of, you know, as he threatened to burn it all down, uh at this point getting his payday he's kind of like out of the picture he's you know they they quietly settled all of the different things and sold his team I think I don't know I I don't know what brings him back you know like he's pretty spiteful so he might just bring it back himself uh just to burn it all down but I I think it's more likely that he goes off into the to the sunset at this point with this kind of with his tail between his legs a little bit, but I don't know. It it's, I wouldn't be surprised to see like some pretty, pretty spicy story come up about somebody's email that was also recovered from the Washington, Washington server.
1: I I have a feeling you're, you're right about that. That's I would, I would be very surprised if this was the last time we heard uh, from him.
0: Yeah. And, and the the part that I found interesting about it, and, and then we'll move on, is that the leaks was there were so many different people that could have leaked the emails because so many different people had motive, right? It yeah. was like it was like did uh the head of the union leak it because he knew that the insult would make him look better and the players were voting on right, him right. and he needed to to win the vote, did he needed people to rally around him yeah yeah did did daniel snyder do it as a like favor to roger goodell because they uh he knows that he doesn't like john gruden and they don't like each other like there were so many different people that had motive it felt like a murder mystery where yeah that jeremy shapp podcast was yeah.
1: uh it it did feel like a whodunit like, yeah <laughs> yeah
0: they kept coming up with people like it was just one of those shows where you are movies or whatever that you you're like, well, this person also had motive. And then they meet another person and that person had motive and like everybody right, like had a, motive, yeah. It's like the Glass Onion movie. Yes, you know? yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. They, they couldn't figure out who it was because everybody had a reason to uh, wanna leak this email. So um, anyway, that, that one is uh, very silly, but uh, Long National, DC area, Nightmare is over. Um, wow. Let's see, so I guess that's enough. For the NFL, for now, we will definitely do previews as we go into yes. uh, the season. We'll preview each coming up division. It's coming up very soon, so we'll make sure to do that. Uh, so, baseball or golf, Tim, your choice.
1: Let's go golf.
0: Yeah, so golf is very similar to the running backs question. Um, you know, because it's got a lot of layers, markets, money uh, some people with a lot of money, some people with not a lot of money. So, yeah. uh, earlier this summer, uh, out of the blue, um, out of the blue for the PGA players, out of the blue for everybody, except for like three people, apparently, um, live golf, Saudi backed, t- uh, tour that we've talked about a lot, uh, decided to not merge, but come to an agreement of some sort of new tour where they will, yeah uh, be in collaboration or whatever, or whatever the legalese is there. Um, the, you know, after, you know, so many months and of years, I guess at this point talking about, you know, not taking the Saudi money, not taking the the blood money, the oil money, uh, from the Saudi back tour, and then turn around very quickly, uh, and take the money themselves. The Saudi is like the the yeah. number one investor in the new tour, and uh, you know, blindsided the players. Um, so, I don't know, Tim. What is your what are your thoughts on it's, on this one? So, the I guess
1: it's it's this is probably the um, the exact outcome that the Saudis uh, whoever the sovereign investment fund, whatever, uh, had, had been gunning for, from the get go, which is like, um, everything that the PGA did, it sounds like ended up costing them. If, if, uh, whatever his name is, uh, Moynihan, I think is his name, like Mm -hmm. if he's to be believed, um, cost them half of the money that they had, like, um whatever in their coffers. Um right. to elevate the tournaments, to, you know, to keep some of the players that were considering jumping happy to fighting the court battle. You're literally fighting a uh an entity that has bottomless pockets for money. Um and there's no way that the like at some point the PGA was going to have to always capitulate just because they could not, they couldn't fight against this. Aside from the fact they probably would, you know, even if they could, they might lose in, in court. Cause um, they effectively are um, a, um, in violation of antitrust laws and et cetera. Um, so I guess what it, I don't know. I love, I love the PGA. I, I also understand that there are, like, very serious issues with, you know, you talk about, like, like you said, it's similar to the running back thing. Like, you know, the Isaiah Pacheco in this situation is, like, Taylor Gooch, you know, like, who uh, you hear the horror stories of guys, like, driving to tournaments, sleeping in their cars, and they don't make the cut. And it's like, well, didn't get paid that time. Um, So... It's hard. I don't know. the The whole thing is is a uh, not leave the politics um, and the virtue signaling and you know the, all that stuff out of it. Um, it's it's just a it's hard. It's hard to refuse the money, and then it's hard to go back to the guy. Like think about like you know, Colin Morikawa, Max Homa, these guys that didn't take the money, and it turns out there was no repercussions whatsoever. Right. Yeah. These guys are playing in majors. There's some kind of a thing that eventually they're all going to come back. Um, so I don't know, like what happens to those guys? And they missed out on their they missed out on their payday. It, it, it would seem unless some somehow it all gets made made whole. I don't know. I still think some of the um, the details of all that are, are un, unknown, unclear.
0: Yeah, I think that that was a big takeaway for me was the kind of the the players who they were like, you know, stay loyal with us, you know, like, you know, we're the good guys. Like, and then uh, they trashed the, you know, the people who left, you know, kind of dealt with bad press for, I don't know, like a week or two, a couple of tournaments, like
1: they still get
0: it. They still Sometimes, get it, like, you know? yeah, and but they but they get to come back, and they don't. You know, I think there was some talk of a fine, but I'm, I'm sure that they're not going to find them all the money. You know that they signed up for from from live. So uh, it seems like you know the big takeaway for me is the the, the people who stayed loyal uh, lost out big time um, because the PGA then took the money and they didn't get the money. but the people who left did get the money so you know that is like one of those things that that for me like those guys definitely got the short end of the stick kind of running back style uh short end of the stick where they didn't they didn't get the payment and they stayed loyal to their team to their whatever but you know the the higher-ups didn't stay loyal and the higher-ups took the money so, you know, I guess maybe the lesson is always take the money. Take the money? I, yeah.
1: Yeah. Or, or I think the lesson is don't, you know, there. I think you can make an effective argument on, on sort of all sides of the, the political aspect of this. And, um, like, the real guy that looks bad is the PGA. What is, is his name Moynihan? What's yeah. his first name? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Like, he's the one that looks super bad. He was the one that was saying, Oh, all these guys, they're taking the, they're taking the, you know, they even like trotted out like the 9-11 families. And then a year later, um, they take the guy, it doesn't
0: matter. You know, it's like,
1: that's, that's the guy that really like you want to, you know,
0: but he also gets the money. He looks terrible, but you know what? He got the money. So like, I think the, you know, I think the thing that I always think about is, it's always about the money, especially when they tell you it's not about the money. You know,
1: is um just sort of like an aside on this. Like, is is this same investment fund doing something similar with soccer?
0: So in, are they in, trying
1: to? They, I heard something yeah. on the radio. Like, somebody got offered like a billion dollar, or they offered a billion dollars for a player.
0: Yeah. So uh, yeah. So they the the Saudi league they have a soccer league, um, and essentially they are paying astronomical um transfer fees so like um in soccer there's no like trades you pay money directly to the team so that they give you the player but then you also have to pay them their contract so when you switch teams you sign a new contract so what they were offering for of uh, mbappe from the french national oh, team yes. um and also he's on uh psg was 300 million to psg to get the player just and then, just to have him on loan not loan but just to transfer him oh to tra- and, okay yeah and then 700 million wages for the player for the season so like basically a billion dollars for mbappe for the season right so 300 to the team the other team and 700 to mbappe for the the, the season um and they've picked up a whole bunch of different players at this point for a, did he do you know, it he didn't do it okay he didn't do it and maybe you know we uh we will, you know, he is somebody that didn't take the money, but I, I feel like he he's gonna probably do enough with that. And I and a player at his level basically taking a, a gap year, you know, um might not be good for his you know progression to be the best player in the world kind of situation. So yeah. um, you know, I think they are uh kind of shaking the the soccer leagues in the same way where they're saying, all right, we'll just use all of our money to get these players to get them to come here. I don't know. I I really don't know what it does for them. Nobody watches the Saudi league. I don't know if it's on TV anywhere streaming. Um, What does it get them other than pictures of those players wearing those jerseys in the promotional materials? So I, I, you know, same with live golf, I guess, what did it get them? Uh, in the end, they they did end up winning. I think by get, becoming a, a seat at the table in golf. Um, they're definitely already a seat at the table in soccer because they own a bunch of teams, and right. they're they're pushing up their own league as well. So I don't know. I don't. the The end game is probably just um, you know being a, a player in almost every sport, right? Like they're gonna they're gonna pay up for for whatever it takes. Yeah. Normalization of the yeah, uh, I mean, yeah. of the regime I don't know. and all, yeah, who knows. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I think they're they're making the same play in soccer and it's changing their market as well, just like it changed the market for PGA. So, um we'll see what happens there, but there's there's certainly yeah. some, something going on.
1: I'll tell you what I'm looking forward to the next season of Full Swing on Netflix. Um because they apparently had cameras rolling mm, with a lot of the PGA guys when uh, when this came when this news came down. So I thought out, out of all the Netflix like sport, well, I haven't watched the F one. They're all they all seem to be very good. I've i watched a little bit of quarterback.
0: Um, yeah, what did you think of quarterback?
1: Uh, I only watched the first episode. Yeah, uh, and it was it's interesting. Um, yeah, I I want to actually like watch it not just like have it on you know while i'm like yeah doing dishes or something um but uh i think the full swing one is has been um the the best one uh in terms of just on like how they have so many interesting personalities and the the way that they have access to all of these players is very cool yeah so yeah, drive to survive was
0: kind of the original, I think. Right, the that's first the F1. one. Yeah. Um. So,
1: Breakpoint, I think, was next. Okay. Yes, I uh, watched an episode of that. Yep. It's Interesting.
0: Yeah. Um. The golf yeah. one. The quarterback one. So, um, the quarterback one is interesting to me because I feel like it's it's obviously like a recap of last season. Um, but it's also kind of I I feel like there's a lot of leverage from the players to kind of sh- it's not a true documentary so to speak it's more like um i don't know not promotional material but i think it shows them in their best light you know i i yeah. don't think anything that patrick mahomes doesn't want to be seen is not going to make it into yeah a
1: documentary. It, i i do think so too like um it which is interesting like Feels like it's almost a win win, but then you heard like there's a number of guys that were like, "Yeah, we want nothing to do with it." Right. Um, yeah. But yeah, you know, perhaps you just don't want cameras in your house for six months. Which right. Yeah. I, yeah you I, got
0: an, you got enough going on with the football yeah. season, like let alone like adding cameras to it and having to do those interviews on top of the regular interviews that you have to do for your regular job. So it just right. feels like an on top of the situation. And I understand how people wouldn't want to do it but you know it again like it it is it ends up being showing you in the best possible light and i'm sure some people's families want to be in it and get there get their 15 minutes of fame as well I, i do think there's that for sure all right so before we wrap a little baseball yeah uh we just passed the mlb trade deadline and uh one team that i found interesting that turned into a seller was the mets because they were a buyer i don't know six months ago um yeah So they they sell a verlander scherzer uh the robertson their closer robertson uh, yeah i think
1: the one of their outfielders uh went as well con
0: uh con Kanha. Yeah. I, i've never actually seen it pronounced i always just read it
1: um yeah so and- what do you think? of What they're doing? They're effectively I, the way I've seen it. Um, Phrase is that they're buying prospects, right? Like because they're they're paying the majority of the salaries still for Max Scherzer and um, and Verlander, but they're eff- effectively spending thirty million dollars for like a team's one a, another team's top ten prospect.
0: I mean, the, I think the strategy make sense in a vacuum, right? Like I think you could pay money for prospects, but they also just Like they're not sticking with one plan. Like if you look at say Houston, for example, right over the period of time that they were kind of like rebuilding, they were following the same process, building a team year over year, right? Like baseball. It's not like there's not as much like football where there's not as much change. Right. Um, so, like, they just bought all these expensive players, and then they turned around and bought prospects, right? And then they are they going to turn around and buy... You know, I think that kind of, like, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth is never going to build you uh, a good kind of consistent winning team. I mean, I, I I think I thought with how good their players were that they would have a good season. Obviously, it didn't happen. I mean, yeah, they're not getting the production. Well, Max Scherzer was disappointing. I
1: didn't get the production from Francisco Lindor, which I know all too well because he's on my fantasy team. Um, yeah, just one of those things where you thought things were going to come together, they didn't. And I guess if you find yourself in that situation, what they're doing is the most logical and rational way out.
0: Right. I think uh, if, you, if you think about the sunk cost fallacy, right? So uh, they are basically saying, you know what, we're not going to stick with this because we know it's not working. So they are giving right. up any any sunk cost and saying, you know what, this whatever this is that we did with Verlander and Scherzer and you know is not working. So let's try a different approach around uh, high profile prospects because we don't have any because we did all these trades and and signs and all that stuff. So I think. You know, from that perspective, I I understand it, but for me, it's like, well, you could have done that a year and a half ago, right? And and bought these guys, or bought or um, acquired these same players for you know, pennies on what you paid for them.
1: I guess you're, you know, the the way you put it, like the sunk cost concept, like Max Scherzer is making this forty million dollars no matter what, like that's that right. that's just it, it's gone, yeah. Like, Um, so you may as well turn that into a top 10 prospect, right? I don't know that this is like a team building strategy for the long haul, but like (laughs) other teams are going to want to, uh, follow, but, um, yeah, I think, um, when you're, when you find yourself in that situation, which they, they did, um, yeah, it's, um, it's the, perhaps the
0: only way to go right yeah i mean it 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 is certainly makes for interesting um you know trade deadlines and you know team building and stuff like that and you know i think it's you know also the mets who are historically a very uh you know (laughs) franchise that has trouble yeah with with snake bit snake bit yeah exactly so i think that part of it um It is even more narratively juicy because it's the Mets, but um, I just, you know, I I think they just, you know, Francisco Lindor is there, but, you know, still, and they still have some other high price players, but what are they going to do next year if Max Scherzer is right? And they're like, we're rebuilding for 2025. And it's like, well, what happens next year? You know? Um, So I think there's, there's a whole bunch of interesting things there, but with the players that are left looking around and saying, well, what, what do we do? You know, what's left for us.
1: Yeah, man. It's been a tough year from going all the way back to that. Uh, what was it? The Edwin Diaz torn ACL yeah. during the celebration to, to this. Um, but it'll be interesting to see what, what those guys can contribute. Uh, so Scherzer to Texas and oh Verlander to Houston huh.
0: Right, yeah, both in Texas, yeah, both ended up in Texas. So, yeah, I think that supercharges kind of the AL West, the AL pennant. Um, yeah. So that that part of it will be very interesting. I like to see the Rangers kind of going going all in there, um, and Houston obviously has a very talented team, so they they will be in the mix no matter what. That makes the AL yeah. side very very interesting. Um, another NL seller is ours. You're wearing your Cardinals shirt today. I am. Uh, our our Cardinals were for the first your tea time out of a Cardinals mug earlier. Too. I, I absolutely was, uh, so first time sellers for we talked about maybe 2007. Maybe was the last time that they were sellers. They had a terrible year that year, but I don't remember if they were sellers or not. But the Cardinals yeah. kind of had a bunch of pending free agents, uh, Flaherty, Hicks, uh montgomery i think uh matt's had a year left so they kept him so i feel like they they kind of did a soft rebuild kind of situation where yeah. they, they traded the the high profile free agents that they weren't planning on resigning for players that uh could help them in the future uh it's just to me as a cardinals fan uh a weird feeling seeing them and also rooting for them to sell uh it's just been another uh, a snake bit season for them. I don't know what your feelings are
1: yeah I mean it, I, I think they're doing all the right things from like a team building standpoint like I, I think we we said something we were texting back and forth a while back that like if they had just if or maybe I can't remember what it doesn't matter like if they had the blown save rate the average nice. blown save rate, they would be in first place, right? And they flipped two relievers, like t- pretty good. <laughs> like, yeah, you, yeah. You somebody dealt. wants them. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, you know, you you dealt from what is the team's clear weakness. Um, you know, and like I, the whole. I never believed. I don't know. I don't know if you ever did like that Arenado and Goldschmidt. Like, why would you that, have plenty of like yeah plenty of years left? Um, you know, you're not. I, I don't think they're. I think soft rebuild is a good way to put it. Like, I don't think that they're not going to contend in the next two years. Um, there, there, there needs to be some retooling that happens, but I, I, I think like this team is not a bad team. It's a bad bullpen.
0: Right. That and there's team. a, and it was a bad year of, of bad luck. And I think those, yeah. those things happen. The Cardinals have had their fair share of good luck in seasons and playoffs and stuff like that. So I think, you know, this was bound to happen. And it just, I think the thing that kind of sticks is the reaction to it, right? Like some teams have bad games, bad stretches, whatever. The Cardinals seem to like, there was a lot of infighting. They were like, you know, the manager was early on the season was blaming Tyler O'Neill for not hustling. And, you know, I think that the, the Arenado thing, I don't know if anybody really thought it was going to happen, but I think the um, the the thing that was a problem was them not coming out and saying, "Yeah, we're not trading him." Right? It was just a whole bunch of speculation where he had to come out and say, "Well, I, I don't know. I hope to be here," but they could have very easily nipped that in the bud and just, you know, said, "We're not trading him." Period. They had to come out and do it, but it was like a couple of days late. It just felt like um, they have a policy or a, they do a good job of kind of stamping down the, you know, keeping the rumors out because they have a pretty tight, uh, you know, front office, no leaks, but also that can come back to bite them when all they have to do is just talk to the player and talk to the press and say, hey, we're not trading him and keeping the morale up on the team versus everybody yeah. just kind of like watching MLB network in the clubhouse. And they're speculating that he's going to get traded. Right. So like, I think, there's there's two pieces to it of, yeah, nobody really expected him to be traded, but people were talking about it and people were asking him about it and he had to answer it to it. And, you know, how can you not, like, feel a little bit slighted if they're like, well, I don't think they're going to trade me, but could they? You know, I yeah. don't know. Like, they're they're talking about me in the Dodgers lineup, right? Like, uh, I don't know. Like, I think that that does have some effect and I feel like, that's a lot of what's been missing in the Cardinals this season is kind of that like vibes, getting back to vibes, like yeah. vibes and camaraderie and, you know, everybody pushing, pulling in the same direction is just not happening. So, uh, yeah, I
1: think, um, one thing that like is an interesting lesson from all this is like as the one sport that doesn't have salary cap restrictions, like I've kind of, I feel like I've made this argument for quite some time. Like, it is a it is a very, if not the most competitively balanced sport. Like, you look at, you know, the Red Sox are not currently in a playoff spot. The Yankees are not. Um, right. The Mets are not. The Cardinals, not that they're the biggest spenders um, of all time, but, you know, we're talking pretty big market, generally teams that, like have decent sized payrolls that are sitting outside in Baltimore, uh, the twins, you know, are, are making their, making their run Tampa Bay perennially um, Toronto kind of back in things, Cincinnati. So it is kind of as much as it's a struggle uh, to, as a Cardinals fan um, it is kind of neat
0: to see some of these other teams have a, have a shot. Yeah, absolutely. I love to see other teams have a shot. And that and that's, you know, a part of baseball that sometimes you don't see over the 162. But with the wider uh, playoffs, you do see in the one game series, a three game series, right? Yeah. Even seven game series, a couple bounces this way, that way, uh, then the underdog is through, right? And it, the the randomness of the game kind of comes out. And so that that causes more parity and more, you know, like who would have thought that the, the Phillies would have been in the World Series last year? Um, but yep, you know the Cardinals seemingly had them on the rope uh, on the on the Game ropes. One up, two zip, blown yeah. save. See yeah. you later. Yeah, and the, I mean they looked like they had no no juice, and it was uh, you know down to nothing going into the ninth, and then all of a sudden a couple of couple of hits go in, and they are uh, you know. Good vibes team for the whole month, so yeah, uh, you know a lot of a lot of things can change quickly. So I, I think you are absolutely right about baseball there with with the salaries. And you know, I love to see a big salary team like the Mets crash and burn. Not uh, a guarantee, yeah. not a guarantee. Exactly, uh, salary or money is not not destiny, and that's what we like to see in our sports. All right, Tim, uh, we we done an hour. Yeah, uh, this was a nice nice quick hour. Uh, so Dude, we're back. We're, we're back. back. We're back. Quick hour, easy to do. Uh, easy like Sunday morning. All right. So, uh, what are you keeping an eye on? I have a good idea, but I'm um, just gonna.
1: I, I'm gonna keep my eye on Hard Knocks. I I will give. I mean, I'm marginally keeping an eye on. It's hard to watch because it's in the middle of the night. Uh, the Women's World Cup. Oh, yeah. um, what are you making of uh, the U.S. Women's National Team? struggling almost not making it out of the group
0: yeah i mean i th- it, it seemed i watched the first two games because they were on in reasonable hours uh the the third one being on at 3 a.m was a bit uh impossible but also seemed like a easy uh, one you wanted to miss where they struggled pretty pretty mightily it seems to me like they are a team and maybe an organization coaching wise that is used to Being so much more talented than the other team that tactically and uh, they didn't have to get that creative to win. And I think, similar to maybe, you know, how the dream team elevated the world around them, they have elevated the world around them and other teams like Sweden, uh, you know, uh, Netherlands, who they played in the final previously and they tied. Uh, Brazil has, you know, all of these other teams are, are coming up to match them so that it's not so much that they can just run the other team over with, with their skill and strength and ability that they need to have some, uh, strategy to, to get past another team and they, they haven't shown it yet. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see if there'll be some, Something that's there that they felt like they didn't weren't ready to deploy um, in in the group stage, but they have a, a tough game against should be Sweden in the knockout round. Yeah. And they were the you know far away the champs are the uh, the favorites to win, and they're not the number one favorite anymore. So um, it'll be it'll be interesting to see what they do as kind of like a maybe not an underdog in their next game, but like not an overwhelming favorite. All
1: right. Well, we'll keep our eye on that too, then.
0: Yeah, absolutely. All so right. I
1: think that game is going to be on Monday next week, I think.
0: Yeah, I think so. A couple days, they have to wait for that next group to close yep. as well. Um, and I, because it's in Australia and New Zealand, I lost track of which day is which. You know, they say it's on 3 a.m. on this day, but it's actually that night. Yeah, we, a
1: good, good point. There's an yeah. international dateline situation. <laughs> yeah.
0: Keep your eyes glued to the international dateline and also Hard Knocks, uh, the Hall of Fame game, and the Women's World Cup. Sports are firing off right now. Um, and keep your glu- ears glued to Dynasty Sports Empire, the podcast. And we will talk to you next week. All right. So we're yeah. on a new platform here, so I don't know how the outro is going to go. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. this, could be a, this could be a live outro. Could be a, uh, just, just uh, I don't know. I'm not sure how this is going to go. Did you see any of the highlights from uh,
1: the women's game last night? I, guess, I think it was last night.
0: I saw just the highlight where uh, Portugal almost scored. In yeah, in the 91st minute. That would have yeah, been it? Off the post, they would have been out and gone. Just like oh, that. Oh, man. Speaking of bounces and, you know, soccer is... is that in a nutshell, where like one bounce, two bounces changes completely everything.
1: In yeah. I didn't realize they said in the article that that is not
0: even considered a shot on goal. So a shot. Right, because it, it the shot on goal it has to be a shot that would have gone in. In Seattle. So, yeah. uh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. It, it makes sense. I hadn't really thought about it, but that makes sense. So like you know, if it's if it's you know a, a shot that is going to go in, similar to like. If you're giving a player credit for, uh, you know, something that bounces off somebody else and goes in, if it's on goal, they get credit for it. If it's not, you know, it, it's an on goal. So yeah, yeah, right, right, it's right. It's one, one of those things that, you know, they're like, oh, well, the other team had no shots on goal. But it's like, well, they had that one. Yeah, I'm that pretty close. <laughs> I, I, to, the, to the untrained eye, that sure looked like a shot on goal to me. Yeah. <laughs>